This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. and welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by the Rope Trainer. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. It's a great product, and you know I highly recommend it here at Youth Baseball Talk. Make sure you go to theropetrainer.com and check it out today. Uh, Some real exciting things coming from them here in the near future, too. I'm looking forward to having Chris Verna on. I talked to Earl Perrin, and we're going to get Chris on. I really want to talk about some of the actual scientific data that they were able to get on the Rope Trainer, showing why it's such such a valuable tool and such a valuable training aid and, and a way to help these kids is, again, I, I just, you know how passionate I am about this arm issue that we have, and uh, I don't think there's an easy answer. That's the thing. Everybody thinks there's an easy answer. I don't believe there is. Uh, you're not going to stop kids from playing. Playing more is what's going on. Uh, I think it's a big part of it. Uh, I, I would think that's the only thing that's really changed is kids are throwing more, more often, uh, without rest, in my honest opinion. So, We'll see what happens there, but obviously the rope trainer is something that's come along that I think is just a fantastic device. Well, I am Jim Cromer, and I do uh, do come to you each and every week from the lineupmedia.fm studios. Very proud to do so as they've been with me from the beginning of the show. Uh, really excited about this week's topic because it's something that's obviously near and dear to my heart because I'm dealing with it. Uh, I think sometimes we as parents, when we're talking about youth baseball, Certain topics appeal to us a little bit more, and those typically, in my opinion, are when we're dealing with something, right? So let me also take a second to apologize for the coughs that will come up during <laughs> this show because I've, I've had this cough now for a month, and I'm using cough drops, but one of them sneaks through every now and again. So if I do cough into the mic, I am sorry. I will try not to. That being said, it is February. February means a lot of things to a lot of people. Uh, I'm a big baseball fan. February to me means it's not long before pitchers and catchers report at spring training, which is an exciting time as a as a big baseball fan. But if you're a parent of a kid, especially in high school, um, and I know there's a lot of middle schools throughout the country that also have baseball, and they do it in the spring versus here where they do it in the fall, uh, it's getting real close to time for tryouts. Uh, tryouts are an interesting thing that go on in our world. Uh, they start very young at certain ages in sports and it's something that our kids are becoming very familiar with i i've always had an eerie feeling about tryouts with kids but the reality of it is they've become accustomed to them most kids that i know in a lot of sports it's just another thing and they don't think too much of it some kids when they go to high school or or middle school whatever the case may be tryouts for a sport are their first uh first foray into such a stressful situation now, there's certain kids out there and certain parents that tryouts aren't too stressful for them. They just seem to have that knack or maybe they're very confident or, you know, maybe they're in situations where, the, unfortunately, the school doesn't have enough kids where they don't cut or who knows what the situation may be. But for a lot of kids and for a lot of situations, it can be extremely stressful. Uh, my own son, who's 14, uh, is getting ready to try out for freshman baseball here at uh, Edwardsville High School. It's a very stressful thing. The The program traditionally does very well. The program is also very well attended, meaning that uh, they are not hurting for players. 
there will be more kids than they need to show up for tryouts. It's been my experience over the years of watching some tryouts uh, just for various reasons, just because I love to go and watch. Even when my, you know, my kids aren't involved, I like to watch baseball. Uh, always curious about the program because I do support it. I, I think everybody on the show knows. I think Tim is a Tim Funkhauser, the head coach there, is a, a great baseball coach, good man, good friend. Uh, I just like watching baseball. I've always felt when I coach the younger kids, I could learn a lot by watching as much baseball as I could, especially by people that teach it at a high level. So I would watch, and um, you know, which I won't do with my son, by the way. Uh, I won't go, but um, <clears throat> that's a whole nother show. But uh, I will I will touch on that this one. But the truth of the matter is, is that I've been out there enough times to know that, you know, they'll probably keep 20 kids at the freshman level, give or take a few. And uh, they'll have a lot more than that try out. And fortunately or unfortunately, some years they'll have more than 20 kids that can play a little bit. And that makes it hard. And I know I've talked to coaches in various programs at various levels. And uh, for some, uh, it would be ignorant to think that uh, – some coaches, it isn't that they don't care, but maybe they're just oblivious to how it affects people. But I think the majority of people that I've come across in my years of doing this, they understand that it's a stressful thing for kids. They understand that it's not the easiest thing in the world. Uh, most coaches that I've talked to hate it. They, they, they lose sleep. They struggle with it. Some of them have been doing it for so long that while they it bothers them in their mind and they've they they wish they didn't have to do it, they've done it so much that it's become second nature to them and it's just a nature of the beast type thing. But that really doesn't matter to you and yours. And what I mean by that is is that that can be all great and a coach can really feel for you, but the fact that for a week, you know, probably in that average range of one week probably doesn't drag on more than a week. Sometimes it might be two or three days. Who knows, right? But whatever that time frame is, while your son is involved in it, it can be very stressful for him or her, if the case may be, because really this applies to all sports. But, um, you know, it's stressful on him, her. It could be very stressful on you as a parent if you're listening as a parent. And, of course, if you are listening as a coach, I, I really hope you take some of these words because I always feel like whatever you do in life, if you have a good grasp of how everybody that you're dealing with feels, you can better communicate, you can better uh, work on your relationship and the way you come across and how you handle things. Because I think it is important because at the end of the day, we are talking about kids here. Um, you know, does that mean that I don't, you know, everybody should make the team, everybody should get a trophy? No, I'm not saying that at all. I listen. At some juncture, we try out for everything, right? We try out for life. We try out to be successful at anything we do to some degree, right? There's nothing wrong with it starting at a young age. There's nothing wrong with it happening in high school for sure, whatever. I'm okay with it. I've said a thousand times over that, you know, if my kid's just not good enough, then he's just not good enough. That doesn't mean his passion for baseball has to go away. You know, I'll start right there with this. Number one, whether or not your son or daughter make a team – or, you know, achieve their goal or your goal in, in some instances, unfortunately, regardless of what that looks like, it doesn't define them and who they are and who they will be. So that is the first thing that I would suggest to everybody to understand as you, as you start this process, if you're new to it, if it's your first time, if you've had some bad experiences, or even if things have been great for you this whole time, it doesn't really define who you are and who you will be. Um, 
there's a lot of things that go into tryouts that sometimes some of those are out of our control, both as players and parents. But the reality of it is uh, I hear a lot of stuff, and I'm not a big believer in this. I'll just tell you right off the bat, I'm not a big political guy. You know, well, it's politics. It's this. It's that. Um, I go into it knowing that there's a little bit of that. But when I when I say that, I say it this way. My feelings on that are this. In the majority, and I mean a high majority of situations, it's my opinion that maybe the last couple kids kept on the team are what are quote-unquote called political picks. Uh, you know, families supports the program. Good people. Maybe they're... Maybe the coach knows them and they know they're they're good people. But you know what? Hey, working hard, being a good parent, being a good kid, uh, being supportive, those are all important things. So go into it knowing that, you know, uh, myself, other people have been saying for many, many years that before you even get to that situation, how you handle yourself both on and off the field as a player and as a family may come into effect someday. Okay? So – Know going in that if your son is a bubble player or daughter and you've been a handful as a parent and as a family, then you might struggle here. Okay? Just going to be honest with you and tell you that. If you've been a complainer, if you've been a, a, a team hopper, if you've been a, a, you know, a, a bleacher talker, if you've been you know, disruptive, if you're that parent that can't stay away from the dugout, if you're the one that yells at umpires all the time, people are watching and people talk, you know, and, you know, and if you think for one minute, and this is the the way the world works, people, if you think for one minute that if you ever get into a tryout situation and your kid is a borderline kid or it comes down to you and somebody else and you're those people and the other family is not, nine times out of ten you're going to lose. That's why we talk about the things we talk about on here, okay? Sometimes, and there's more and more articles coming out about this, coaches recruit families, not just players, because they know they have to deal with them, right? At some juncture, it becomes a pattern. Behavior becomes a pattern, right? So if you're that person, always making excuses, always blaming others, the world's out to get me, things are this way, you might want to look in the mirror. Right. I mean, I'm sorry. I've seen it. I've dealt with it. I've been a part of it. Unfortunately, fortunately, however you want to look at it, you know, both from experience sake and and just being around it. But the truth of the matter is how we conduct ourselves sometimes does come into play. Ultimately, what I believe is for ninety nine percent, it comes down to talent plays. Players play. Um, I myself will have to admittedly say that I've uh, been put in situations where I've had to listen to people I know ridicule or condemn the tryout process for certain teams or sports while knowing visually seeing it myself that what they're seeing are they're seeing through dad goggles and not through coach's eyes. And I, I get that. I, I don't really fault anybody for that. At the end of the day, we're talking about the things that are most important to you in the world and that's your kids. And you want them to have success because you want them to feel good about themselves. You want them to ultimately be a part of something. Um, you know, I don't necessarily go the whole way that some people go, like living through them or living vicariously through your kids or pushing them to do things they don't want to do. I don't know that it's that drastic all the time. Of course, that's out there. But when it comes to your kid trying out, it's a stressful thing and you would like to see him succeed. 
Do you want to do you want to be proud of them and be able to puff your chest? Well, I guess that goes on. Of course, I think there's a little bit of that in everybody. But the reality of it is, if it's your kid, right? I mean, we love our kids. We want them to be happy. We want them to experience success. Of course, we want them to do well. Um, if it doesn't go well, we share in that pain with them, just like we share in the joy with them if they do do well. Is in these instances for sure, because there's some final finite thing in this, right? This is a this is not a no longer a long drawn out process, right? This is a tryouts or Monday to Friday. And on Friday, you find out if you made it or not. There is no, the, you know, the time for he's going to be this or she's going to be that they're over. It is now time to go out there and, and put it on the line and see if you've got what it takes to make this team, whatever team that is, right? So the hard part, especially if it's a school situation, is that really there's only one school situation for you because you go to that school. Uh, you know, when it comes to trying out for teams, like, you know, programs or travel teams or rec, whatever they may be, right, select teams, whatever term you want to use, if you're not good enough for this one, chances are you're probably good for one of them. You just have to find your right situation. When it comes to school ball, you know, there's, you know, you go to school there and there's only so many kids that make that team. That's what makes this a little tougher, and this is also why I know it's a little more stressful. My own son um, and I had a conversation about this the other day. He's always been what I would consider to be a, a, a good player. Um, you know, he's not the best. Uh, physically, he's not there. He's just on the smaller end, so he doesn't have that going for him, which is something that parents always struggle with too. Like, you know, that, that kid that's bigger and stronger that – you know, doesn't have the mechanics or the fundamentals that we as parents sometimes think kids should have, gets picked a lot over the smaller kids. Well, that's the way of the world. Get used to it. Okay, I'm going to tell you that right now. If you think that's wrong, then you're going to be in a, you know, you're going to be sitting off to the side all huffing and puffing because, you know, we talk a lot about things and coaches can't teach size and strength. Now, you can get stronger over time. Of course you can. Will you grow? Maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, but a coach can't guarantee you're going to get bigger and stronger. Well, you know, some of these kids that are bigger and stronger are already there. Sometimes a coach's job is to coach them up. So that's something that a lot of people want to dismiss that's not really a reality. The reality of it is bigger and stronger is good is a good thing. I'm sorry to say that. And, and I deal with it, folks. My son's not bigger and stronger, okay? I go into it knowing that. I don't go into it going, this will be a shame, I go into it knowing it, okay? So as a player, he's had to convince himself, believe in himself enough in his talents that he, you know, that he may do well and maybe do better than others to make sure that he showcases those talents. Uh, if I use my own son, and I, and I will use him because I don't like to use other kids, so, you know, my kids know that they get used on this show all the time. You know, he's he's – not as tall as most of the other kids, and he's definitely not as thick as the other kids. But what he is is he's pretty quick. <clears throat> he's not a bad player. Like, he knows how to play the game the right way. And I would say he's for sure above average defensively, um, if not uh, very good. Um, he definitely needs to hit better, which I think will come as he gets bigger and stronger. Uh, if he does, in fact, get bigger and stronger. So what I've told him, because he's nervous, you know, and, and the kids played on very good baseball teams his whole life, played at a high level of competition, 
um, you know, has played well for us at times, like every kid has struggled at times, has played well for us at times, has been a kid we've counted on at times, has been a kid that's moved around in the lineup because he was struggling at times, you know, has had his turns sitting out just like every other kid on our team did. Um, you know, but for a kid that's had some moderate success at a high level of competition, you know, I, I'm not saying I didn't expect this answer, but when I asked him if he was nervous, he said, yeah, I'm nervous. I think I did expect it because I think how can you not be, especially when you're in a big situation. And again, not all schools were like this, but at our school, it's a big situation. And I thought, okay, what do I say to him? What do I say to him? You know? So I, I, I you know, I said what kind of came natural. I, and, and this is the advice I'd give anybody to give your kid. Most coaches that are worth their salt at a tryout aren't necessarily looking at what I would call quote unquote results. They're watching how a kid does what it is he does, especially what it is he does well. They're also going to watch how he does what he does on the things that he does poorly. So, for example, and this is kind of how I explained it to my kid. I said, I think you're a really good infielder. Do I think you're a really good infielder because you make the plays? Well, that's great for immediate successes. But I think you're a really good infielder because your footwork, your hands, your athleticism are always on display because you always do it the way it should be done. That's what you need to do, continue to do. Nothing more, nothing less. A good coach will see that you know the footwork, that you know how to move your feet to the baseball. You field it properly. You've got the, the soft hands. You don't just bend over and pick up the ball and throw it the first, and you don't just – do this or do that and and make just the balls that are hit at you. You know how to range to your left. You know how to backhand a baseball very well. You know how to get it out of your glove quick. On the middle infield, you know how to turn a double play properly. You know the footwork around the bag. You have good game sense. Those are things that if you do them, whether you have an immediate success or not, a coach will notice. And I promise you that. A coach will notice. If you boot three balls but everything looks really good while you do it, at a tryout, a coach isn't going to say, well, he can't field. And a coach isn't that, isn't that naive. On the same token, if you have no foot skills, if you have, do not have soft hands, and he hits you three ground balls and you catch them all, don't just assume, well, I caught them all. You know, now ultimately, yes, the name of the game is to catch the ball, but we all know that continued success revolves around all these things that they teach us and all these fundamentals that go into playing the game. Because at some juncture, the game gets really difficult and you need all these things to be successful. So, you know, his answer to me of when I asked him why he was so nervous, he says, I mean, I don't want to boot any balls. I don't want to throw any balls away. And, and all I could tell him is just do what you do and don't worry about the immediate results. You know, um, you know if, if, if you're out there and you're a really good hitter, then get in there and swing it. Don't get in there and change what you do to try to have an immediate success. Get in there and do what you do and try to do it well. Show them what it is you can do and what you do well. You know, if you're a big hitter, don't get in there and tone your swing down trying to make contact. Get in there and drive some baseballs and show them, hey, you know what? I could drive the baseball. If you've got a little bit of a hole in your swing or your swing's a little long or maybe your swing's a little slow, but you've got some power and you can square a baseball up, any coach with his salt's going to say, you know what? I can work with him on that. And that's how it works, folks. If you're fast and you're a really good base runner, when it's time to run, you better show them you can run. Right? You know, if you're a pitcher 
and you you throw the ball hard, then by golly, you better throw it hard. I promise you, if you get in there in tryouts and change how you do it because you're trying to be fine, something that maybe you're not good at, you're going to expose what you're not good at and not show them what you are good at. This is a game of late bloomers, folks. Uh, Steve Springer, who I think is a fantastic speaker and has a great story to tell, says it all the time. Unfortunately, and, and this is unfortunate, sometimes kids get judged and based at a young age. Sometimes there's nothing that a coach can do about that. Uh, typically, maybe this doesn't happen, but you know, the, if the scenario is 30 kids that are all pretty good players show up for tryouts and they only have room for 20, what does that really mean? It's simple math. 10 kids that can play a little bit are not going to be on the team. And that is, while being sad, it is a reality. Am I naive enough not to think that in the history of high school baseball tryouts, some kids have not been cut that probably had a bad couple of days and a couple of kids made the team that weren't as good, had a good couple of days? Of course that happens. Go into it knowing that that happens occasionally. And is it, does it stink? Of course it does. Does it define who you are as a player? Do you give up? Do you say, oh, heck with this and quit? Or do you keep at it? Well, I would say that's up to, to, to your player. You know, I applaud those kids. It's not an easy thing. You know, you think it's over for you. It's not. The game of baseball is littered with great stories of talented kids that maybe didn't get a fair shot when they were younger in their mind, or maybe they just weren't good enough when they were younger and progressed and loved it, finally grew, maybe finally matured mentally, not just physically. This is a mental game as well, folks. There's all kinds of obstacles out there. It's how we teach our kids to deal with these obstacles, not helping them with the obstacles, right? Like, you know, if there's a boulder in, in their way, we can move the boulder for them, right, so they can get by. What if we teach them how to move it themselves? And people may say, yeah, but physically he can't move it. Well, maybe he can't. But maybe you could show him, hey, you know what? I know you can't roll it away, but take this stick, wedge it under there. There's ways to teach our kids to deal with problems. I had a good friend tell me one time, he goes, you're not going to believe this, but I don't believe our job is to protect our children. Physically, yes, but but I think my job is to teach my kid how to deal with these problems. When things get too big for him and he needs my help, I'm here for him. But there's a lot of problems that we navigate for our kids that they can navigate themselves. You know, will they make some mistakes along the way? Of course they will. But how do you ever learn to do anything if you don't make some mistakes? I used to tell people all the time, I, everybody knows what I used to do for a living. I was, uh, you know, I used to be a, 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 I worked for Anheuser-Busch and, and I had a lot of salespeople and, and guys within our team. And I would tell a lot of guys that would start, I'd say, listen, you won't be any good at this till you screw it up. Nobody's ever come in here and was, and was perfect. To my knowledge, there's only been one perfect guy ever. <laughs> so, you know, uh, making mistakes isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, we as parents, I think, worry that they'll make mistakes on big stages and that'll define who they are. Well, it doesn't. You know, it's it's surprising how, uh, you know, how adversity really builds character, uh, how we'll if we allow it to. It's a good thing. Sometimes I don't think um, I don't think that everybody out there always needs to, you know, fix all the problems, not rely on kids to be able to make some decisions. 
I just I don't know that it does any good. I listen. I've been guilty of it. I still do it. I mean, if my, you know, if my son comes to me for help, I'm going to help him. But am I doing him a disservice if I just do it for him? Or you know, why don't we do it together? Or why don't we talk about it and see if there's a way he can handle it? Or things now those are those are not always popular decisions because maybe they take longer or maybe it's harder to do it that way right but you know this is an instance where and for some people I'm not going to say it's too late but man I hope as your boy was younger you were preparing him for this moment and what I mean by preparing him for this moment is you know did we do things so that when the time comes for him to go stand out there alone that he's prepared for it so this isn't just a podcast for the people whose kids are fortunately or unfortunately trying out for high school baseball or middle school baseball. For you younger uh, parents out there with younger kids in in 8U ball or 7U ball or 9U or 10U, whatever it is, the things you teach your kid now will help them later. It's what you choose to teach them. You know, uh, tryouts are stressful. There's a lot of things in life that are going to be stressful, and tryouts won't seem so big by the time they get older and have to make some really life life changing decisions. We all have been through those. If you're an adult, things happen, tough decisions are made all the time. But when it comes to trying out for baseball at that juncture for a kid, that's all they know to, to be, that's a big thing for them. And we have to treat it as such. So I think we need to be sympathetic to the fact that they are going to be nervous looking at your kid and saying, there's nothing to be nervous about. That doesn't do any good. You know, I like the, well, what are you nervous about? Let them tell you what it is that makes them nervous. What is it that's stressing you out? You know, those are the moments, whether you're a parent or maybe a coach or a mentor, an uncle, a big brother, whatever you are to a young man, if you can get them to open up to you and share what it is that makes them so nervous or makes them so fidgety or or, or uptight about this situation, that's where you have the opportunity to help them. So your words are going to be very important in how you phrase them. Like I said, I, I don't recommend, well, there's nothing to be nervous about. It's just tryouts. I also don't recommend, you're a great player. Don't worry about it. I mean, you know, most of the players that were great in their life will tell you that tryouts were stressful for them even when they were the best player. Why is it? They want to do well. They want to do well for you. They want to do well for themselves. And when things don't go so well, that's why it hurts. I always say that, you know, when, and and listen, guilty as charged, when we yell at a kid from the stands to throw a strike, I always say, do you think he's not trying to throw a strike? And do you really think you telling him to throw a strike is going to make him throw a strike? Okay. Does throwing your head around and getting upset when they miss a ground ball, do you think they didn't try to catch the ground ball? And is your reaction in the stand really going to make him catch the next one? I mean, do you ever stand around after a game and go, man, he wasn't playing very good until I gave him the what for from the stands and then he turned it up a notch? I mean, come on. Really? Again, all things I've been guilty of. All things I want to do better at. All things I hope I don't do. All things I try to not do. Uh, I want to be an example But I also, more importantly, want to be what my son needs me to be, and that's just supportive. To be his fan. To be there and listen to him when he wants to come home from tryouts and tell me whether or not he had a bad day or a good day. And maybe he wants some advice. Maybe he doesn't need any advice. But it it can be stressful. And for you parents out there, again, the, the only thing I can tell you is 
whether or not your son makes a school team does not define who he is or who he will be. For some of you out there, are you going to have to be there for him when he comes home and maybe he's crying or maybe he's upset, maybe he's mad because he didn't make it? Are you going to have to be a voice of reason when he wants to throw it all away and maybe in your heart you know that that's not really what he wants? You know, Are you going to have to be helpful? Are you going to have to be supportive? Of course you are. Um, because for the parents of the kids that do make it, that's just the beginning of a journey. It's not over. You know, then, then the, then, then the real fun starts. Then it's, you know, then we get into, well, he's not starting must be political or I don't know what they see in this kid, not mine or, or whatever. I mean, that's a whole nother podcast that we will get to someday, but right now, this is what February means to me is tryouts are coming, and it's a tough, tough time for a lot of families. Uh, the last thing I'll say is when I say it's a tough, tough time for a lot of families, it can be really tough on the families that make the team and the families that don't make the team. For the families that make the team, you know, again, there's a whole new set of problems coming. Uh, might be the first time you've ever made a team and you weren't the best player on the team. Maybe you're used to playing shortstop on the team you've been on this whole time, and when you try it out, they viewed you as a second baseman. Or maybe they don't think you're one of the top infielders, but they like your athleticism and you might move to the outfield. You have to remember, guys, you made their team. They're going to do what they want to do with you, especially at the school level. So when trying out, that's the last thing I would say to you is ask yourself, what are you trying out for? I always tell this story because it was a, it was a great interview. Uh, Miguel Tejada was a fine baseball player, uh, you know, played for, you know, won a home run derby, wasn't a very big guy. And, and again, I, I, I know there were PED issues, maybe there rumors, whatever, but he was a, you know, he was a Latin guy that loved to play the game. He was an all-star player, uh, you know, was a great, just a really good player. He was a shortstop. As he got older, they moved him to third. But then, you know, he was in a situation where they'd move him back to short and then to third. A reporter asked him one night, man, you've been a however many time all-star. You've won this. You've done that. You've done this. You know, does it, is it kind of disrespectful to you? Do you feel disrespected that they just keep moving you around and not somebody else? I mean, you, you've been a great shortstop, and, you know, they put you at third, and they put you over at short, and when this guy comes back, they move you back to third. He said, well... Do I like to play shortstop? Yeah, I do. I love to play shortstop. That's my favorite position. But I like playing baseball a lot more than I like playing shortstop. So that's what I would recommend to everybody before they go do any of this is ask yourself what you're trying out for. You know, in my son's case, I would say, are you trying out for the Edwardsville High School Tigers baseball team or are you trying out for shortstop? Because what you want and what they may vision for you may be two totally different things. So you have to be prepared for that. There's nothing wrong with saying, I want to be the shortstop, or I want to be the pitcher, or I want to be the center fielder, or I want to lead off. Nothing wrong with that. That's what you've worked hard for to do the things you want to do. But a coach may envision you in a different role, and are you prepared for that? So that's that, that you know is a tough thing for parents sometimes, especially coming from the quote-unquote select situation where, where you know, 10 players and, you know, every, you know, certain kids play here and certain kids play there, and, you know, you're so used to it for years. You know, you showed up, you, you batted every game, played every game, pitched every third or fourth game. I mean, you know, those days are over, folks. 
So be prepared for that once you make the team. And, you know, lastly on this note, there's going to be some really crushed kids and families out there. Uh, if you are a player and you're listening to this podcast, you know, I encourage you to you see a kid in school that didn't make the team. There's nothing wrong with going up, putting your hand on his shoulder and saying, hey, you know, I'm sorry it didn't work out for you. You need to keep playing and try to try to keep keep working at it. That means a lot to somebody. I don't think anybody has any idea how much it means. Um, you know, there's no need to gloat. My, I, I'm not a big fan of this. Uh, Facebook sometimes, while being a great tool to stay connected in life, and again, I, this, I'm going to get on my soapbox here for a minute, but uh, I've always, always hated, and I'm sorry because I, I know people that do it. I'm not a big fan of congratulations to my son for making this team because I assure you, somebody that you're friends with on Facebook's son did not make it. There's no need to rub the salt in that wound. And you can say, well, I'm proud of my son. I want to share it. You know, that's fine, I guess. I mean, into each his own. But I can assure you, you know, most people know who made that team. And if you really want to share it with your family, there's a lot of better better avenues than to rub it in other people's faces, which is what I really think it is. I'm sorry. That's just what I believe. They'll see enough Facebook Facebook posts of him in his uniform and playing in games and doing stuff that, that you know they'll know he made the team. I just I've always it's always bothered me. It's a pet peeve, you know. It doesn't. I don't even know that I'm right. People may say, Jim, you're wrong on this one. People do what they want. If people can't handle it, and they shouldn't have got involved in it. Whatever. That may be true. I may be wrong on that one. It's just a pet peeve of mine. Uh, you know, a, another pet peeve of mine was always the you know my kid went three for four and we did this and we did that. You know. I've never been a big fan of that. You know, I'm, I'm more of a, if you want to post that the team did this or the team did that, that's fine. I'm just not a big, hey, my kid was four for five or hit a big home run. or whatever. I just don't like that stuff. But that's just me, again, each his own. But think about those families, you know, who wanted it really bad and just didn't have what it took to make that team. So just important stuff that I think uh, can make for an easier thing for a lot of people. Also, I just, again, I think it's the way to be. Right, wrong, or indifferent, and again, uh, it may come across as I'm a, I'm a, you know, easy, too soft, whatever trophy for everybody. Anybody that knows me will tell you I'm the complete opposite of that. I just think there's a way to be, but support them, you know, be there for them. Hopefully, you know, you guys have all prepared for this moment because it it is stressful. It can be stressful. I don't know that anything you say or do is going to make that stress completely go away, but I can tell you there's a lot of things you can say or do that will intensify it. So think about your words. Think about your actions. Think about how you approach what can be a really stressful time, both for player and kid. Uh, would love your comments if anybody would like to, to send anything in on this because, like I said, this is a topic that's never going to go away. Tryouts are here to stay. They're never, it's going to get bigger, not smaller. I'd uh, love to hear people's thoughts on this because it is such a such a topic for me. You know, I'm a best practices guy, and if anybody's not sure what that term means, best practices is if you've done anything that you felt was a positive dealing with this subject with your son, your team, your daughter, 
uh, a mental approach, uh, a physical thing, a, a way to deal with it as a coach, how you handled it, whatever it is. If it's a quote-unquote best practice, please share it. You can share it through our social media. Don't forget, we are youthbaseballtalk.com, you know, the website that houses the podcast. That's where you'll find it. That's where you'll find back episodes, which I appreciate. seems like every week more and more people are new to the program, catching up on back episodes, listening to some of the great guests we've had. Of course, youthbaseball.com. Dot com is the easiest way to subscribe to the show. It is free. You know, you'll get a notification each time we put it out, and you can do that right through the website, youthbaseballtalk.com. Simply click subscribe to the podcast. It'll take you to a page where you can pick your mobile provider. It makes it very easy. Um, at Podcast Baseball is our Twitter handle. That's another way we stay completely up to date with what's going on in this world of baseball, especially at this level. If you want to communicate with us through there, it's great. We have a lot of people share a lot of great things through social media, uh, Facebook as well. Just search Youth Baseball Talk on Facebook and you'll find us. We appreciate all that. Uh, again, that's where I get 90% of the material that I know people want to talk about. And I know, I mean, you can get on social media right now. Tryouts are coming. People are stressed. People are freaking out. Sky is falling. Chicken Little is running around. Okay? Really appreciate that stuff. And again, the social media is such a big part of this. I'm going to take a short break. Before we do, I do want to remind everybody that the show is brought to you by the Rope Trainer. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. Make sure you check out theropetrainer.com. Going to take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to hear from my good friend Justin Stone over at Elite Baseball and, of course, uh, my, my son's other coach, Rick Strickland, over at the St. Louis Pirates. See you on the other side. Attention, coaches, parents, and student-athletes. Here at Youth Baseball Talk, one of the most common emails we receive from mom and dad are about the college recruitment and selection process. Far too often, these emails do not have happy endings. Let me tell you about our friend Mark Lineweaver in Perfect Placement. Perfect Placement identifies and helps you with important decision-making factors which are way too often overlooked in the college recruitment process. Such as, is it the right student body size for you? Is it a comfortable proximity from your home? Do they offer your desired field of study? How about extracurricular activities that interest you? And of course, the proper level of competition for your skill set. Once they've identified these factors, they will contact those colleges and speak directly to the coaching staff in an effort to help you. To learn more about Perfect Placement, simply check out their website, perfectplacement.com. That's placement with a Y. To contact them, you can email them at info at perfectplacement.com. Remember, that's placement with a Y. Call 310-921-8669 for more information. That's 310-921-8669. Perfect Placement, specializing in assisting your student-athlete. Today's show is presented by DaVinci Smart Drink. Order yours now at lineupmedia.fm forward slash DaVinci. DaVinci, excite better thinking. You need a mental boost? DaVinci Smart Drinks were designed with professional thinkers in mind. With key ingredients shown to improve cognitive function and increase mental energy, DaVinci Smart Drinks excite better thinking. Drink a DaVinci. Let it go to your head. Thanks for sticking with us through the break there. Um, as we come back, I uh, again, I want to thank everybody for listening to me give a little monologue, I guess. Sometimes when I do these shows by myself and I don't have a guest, I always wonder, you know, do people really want to hear, you know, what you have to say? And again, I, I try to make it topics uh, when I do that that are things that I see happening and that I think will provoke some discussion. Uh, I think tryouts is worthy of that, and I am anticipating some emails and some some messages sent at me directly through Facebook and Twitter, and I encourage them. 
Uh, we don't fix problems unless we talk about them, okay? can't bury your head in the sand on this stuff. Uh, if I'm wrong, I want to hear it. I, I want to hear why you think I'm off base. It's the only way we get better. It's the only way we learn is to have conversations. There's a lot going on in this world right now. I don't need to tell you people that Facebook is crazy right now. People are, we, we have friendships being destroyed. We got uh, uh, factions of people over here and people. Nobody can seem to have a civil discussion about these things. Not everybody I know, but man, I can't go a day without seeing multiple posts of I've cut this person and this person and I now I know who my friends are and now it doesn't have to be this way with you sports people please let's try to not take it to that extreme with this so I do appreciate all the stuff again don't ever feel like well you know I disagree with Jim on this one and let me tell him why I would love to hear that I'm good with it I, I, you know, as my good friend Darren Hendrickson that comes on the show always says, if anybody tells you they've got this figured out 100%, this is how you do this. And I mean anything from mechanics to the physical to the mental. Turn around and run because we don't know. This is a work in progress, and what works for one doesn't work for all. But there is a right way and a wrong way to go about things, and that's what we're trying to control, right? But as far as all the other stuff, we're all just trying to learn here. So please, please do not hesitate to contact me. The thing I did leave out was my email, info at youthbaseballtalk.com. Please email me. I love the emails. I, I promise you I don't get back to them all right away because I'm getting more and more every day, which is a great thing because the show just continues to grow. But the truth of the matter is I try to get back to everybody at some juncture. So please send me those emails. I do appreciate it greatly. Uh, going to hear from, uh, you know, again, who I think is just a fantastic instructor, but also a really good guy that really cares about not only his students, but all the kids out there that just want to be the best player they can be. Let's hear our, uh, elite baseball TV training tip of the week from my good friend, Justin stone, uh, excited about this one. As it just so happens that, uh, my son the other night when he was working out with, uh, with the, with the baseball team, they were working on this exact thing. And that's a two strike approach. Let's hear from Justin now on that. Thanks, Jim, and this is Justin Stone from EliteBaseball.tv coming to you with the tip of the week. In last week's podcast, we talked about making your hitting time more productive by staying in a one-strike mentality, a one-strike approach, attacking balls where we knew we could hit it in the air, big part of the field. And so those are the balls we were going to stay within in home plate. Today, we're going to go further into a two-strike approach. And I feel like at the youth stage of baseball, that players are so scared to hit with two strikes that already they get into a defeated mental state when that two strike situation arises. So what we're gonna do today is change that mental state of the hitter and actually put the power back into his side, the offensive side, in order to be successful with two strikes. And the first thing that we have to understand is that pitchers at the youth level do not have the command of Greg Maddox. They aren't gonna be able to put three balls on a corner within the same at bat. So even if the pitcher who is trying to nibble with two strikes tries to throw a ball on the very edge of home plate, the chances of that ball hitting that specific spot are still pretty small. The chances are greater that that pitch is going to end up off the plate further or we make a mistake in the middle of the plate. So that takes us to our goal. We want to stay alive in the count long enough to hit a mistake. And at the youth level, just about every other pitch is going to be a mistake. The percentages say so. So here's our mentality that we're going to have with two strikes. 
that's going to flip the role back to the hitter as being in charge still in a two-strike situation. And that we stay in an offensive mindset, ready to attack a mistake with the same mentality that we had in a one-strike count. And if the pitcher happens to throw that perfect pitch on his side, on the corner of the plate, we're going to spoil that pitch. And we have drills that we do for that to train players to keep this specific mindset. So if we know that the pitcher is either going to miss off the plate or we're going to get a ball in the heart of the plate, we're going to be ready to attack and not miss that specific pitch. With two strikes, umpires tend will call balls two balls in width off the corner, still a strike on the outside corner, and a one ball in width off the inside corner, still a strike. So home plate just went from 17 inches to 21, and that's a lot to cover. So knowing that pitchers throw more off-speed pitches in a two-strike count, we are going to look for the fastball away, and that will help us adjust to an off-speed pitch. So if I'm a right-handed hitter, my mentality here is to hit a mistake hard to the right center field gap. That's my mentality right away, knowing that we're going to see more pitches on the outside part of the play than we're going to see in. No player, including Mike Trout in the big leagues, can cover all this 21 inches all the time, let alone just the 17 inches of home plate. So if the pitcher does happen to throw a ball in the inside corner in this situation, he hits his spot, we're just going to try to out-athlete that pitch, put the ball in play, and hope for the best. So we do give something up right here, like we do in any count. We're taking something away from the pitcher, and in this case, we're playing the percentages, and we're taking the inside pitch away because percentages say that's the pitch we're going to see the least amount of times. So it's not even an educated guess, it's just being prepared for what we're most likely to see, a pitch on the outer half or possibly an off-speed pitch. So let's say the pitcher does hit his spot on that outside corner. Here's our mentality of spoiling a pitch. So we work on specific drills that you can see at EliteBaseball.tv that we call the spoil reward drill, where we identify that this pitch is on the outside corner of the plate. And although I have an aggressive mentality to hit a mistake, once I recognize through pitch recognition that this pitch is on the outside corner, I'm no longer trying to drive this ball to the gap. I'm simply trying to foul it off into the dugout. So all I want to do is be able to spoil this pitch. And it doesn't even have to be a mechanically great swing. It can look as ugly as you want it to look. Get the job done, foul it off, stay alive for the next pitch. Because from the pitcher's mindset right now, if we spoiled his best pitch, he just threw a ball, dotted the corner, and didn't get us out. So that's where it puts the mentality back into us that we're in a powerful position. He threw his best pitch, he did the job he was supposed to do, and didn't get the favorable result. I'm still alive in the count. So let's say he tries to double up that pitch once again. And there we go, back to the percentages that say that ball is going to end up well off the plate or in the middle of the plate. And now I've done my job where... I've stayed alive in the count long enough to hit a mistake. We just can't miss that mistake. So the spoil reward drill we do in flip or you can do in live BP if you're good enough to hit your spots is when a player spoils that pitch successfully and fouls it off, then the next pitch we simulate what's going to happen in a game. We throw it right down the middle and we want our players to be that still in that aggressive mindset attacking mode and drive the ball in the big part of the field. So that's how we can flip the tables on the pitcher. And this time, still be in control in a two-strike situation at the plate, making us more comfortable to hit with two strikes, taking the defeatist attitude out of the batter's box, and staying in a positive mental state. We're still going to attack and mash baseballs with two strikes, anticipating a mistake pitch, 
and spoiling the pitcher's best pitch. Staying alive in account long enough to hit a mistake, and you're gonna see your two strike numbers rise up and we become a much more successful player at the plate and much more confidence each time we step in the batter's box. See those drills on EliteBaseball.tv. And until next week, this is Justin Stone, and I'll see you on the field. Great stuff, as always, from my good friend Justin Stone. And don't forget to check out EliteBaseball.tv. I promise you, you will not, will not be unhappy with EliteBaseball.tv. Check it out. It's a great, great tool, both for player, parent, and coach. Easiest stuff in the world to follow. Uh, that's why I love it so much. I can really follow along with it. I do not have to be a professional instructor to understand what they're doing there. So EliteBaseball.tv, I couldn't recommend anything anymore. Uh, now it's time to go over and hear from uh, another guy that I think a lot of. Obviously, he's a local guy. He coaches my kid. You've all heard that. I think a lot of his abilities. I think a lot of people think a lot of his abilities to teach. He's got great connections within the baseball world, and he really understands what's going out there. Uh, you know, he started this Ask Rick segment, and, of course, it's brought to you by Blast Motion and Rick Strickland over at St. Louis Pirates. This week had an interesting uh, uh, email from a guy, and I know exactly what he was saying, and it was, hey, Social media, obviously, is nutty with all this stuff. And I see all these videos of like guys like Josh Donaldson, all these guys saying, and people are talking about these big leg kicks and all these movements. Well, should we really be doing that with a 9-year-old kid, right? Because I'm seeing more and more videos, and I get it. I'm seeing more and more videos of 8, 9, 10-year-old kids with big leg kicks and people saying, please give me some advice. So he asked the question, should my kid be doing this at a young age? Whatever happened to balance, you know, things like that. Let's hear what Rick's got to say, as I like to ask the expert. Take it away, Rick. Hey, Jim, and as always, it's a pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for inviting me. Um, uh, having a wonderful week. It's getting very close to spring training and start of high school baseball. I was in a cage yesterday with a young man, so he's getting ready to fly out. Uh, start his 14U summer season in about 15 days. So baseball is in the air and ready to go. And just happy to be back on the show. Uh, this week's question I had gotten from uh, from the callers or the people who listen to the show was about uh, going online and seeing videos on social media as a pros with big leg kicks. And the question was, is that too much movement in a swing for a kid? Whatever happens is staying balanced. Um, it depends on what – a lot of things when you get these questions, a lot of people – one of the things and the problems I see on social media, sometimes we have a tendency to cook uh, cookie cutter – these young athletes uh, with movements and programs. And the one thing I would uh, caution against is that even though you may see a pro doing a certain thing, it doesn't mean necessarily that you can do it. And not for the right reasons of being balanced and my age and coordination and things like that, but it really is these, some of these guys are built differently uh, they can do different things with their bodies. I would almost caution that guys at the pro level shouldn't always take in and look at and copy other players that they see because one of the things you can't see when you're looking at videos, you can't see what's happening to that body internally, you know, how powerful that particular athlete is. Or more importantly, how um, an athlete is is got a good sense of kinematic awareness, uh, being able to move his body, being able to flow that way. So those are things that have to be taught. And if you have a young man or a young lady who has a pretty good kinematic sense of awareness, maybe having a leg kick is fine. Uh, I guess my point is you can't make a decision on whether or not a kid can do a leg kick or not leg kick 
uh, based upon um, what you see on the site. You really have to test that athlete and see if that athlete can handle and process um, uh, and handle that act athletic activity. Because we know that different athletes can handle different things. So uh, long story short is you have to try it out and see. I can't sit here and say that, you know, one kid can do it and one kid can't. You know, what we try to do basically with our hitters is make sure that they're, they are able to do kinematic movements and if they're able to do that, they're going to have great balance and things like that. Now, there was another part of that about balance, and balance can be, you know, a wild thing to, to discuss. It just depends on what people are talking about and how you describe balance because, you know, you can stand on one leg and be balanced or, you know, slightly off balance. You can do a lot of different things. So most kids have a tendency to stay balanced throughout their swing. They don't swing and fall down. I would say if you have a guy that's sitting in the box or a gal that's sitting in the box, and every time they swing, they fall down, I would say probably they are off balance. But 99.9% .9 of the time, the kid will uh, swing a bat and not fall down. So there is balance in every swing that happens with, with, the, with the particular person. Now, where the weight is, where it's shifted, what side of it is, are they using their bodies correctly enough to apply energy to the baseball? That's another matter that has to be uh, looked at and discussed on a case-by-case -case basis. So Long story short, I'm not style-specific. We are movement-specific. So if a kid can move, he can do basically anything he wants to do in a batter's box. So that's what I wanted to chime in this week on this question. It's a great question. I love asking those types of questions in social media because one of the things I, I get in, uh, frustrated with is I go out and I look at an 11-year-old kid trying to imitate Josh Donaldson and things like that. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't. We just can't go cloning guys and looking at those guys and expecting to have the same level of success that those guys because we're not built specifically and as powerfully as some of those athletes are. So that's my answer, Jim. Thanks for the great question. And more importantly, thank you for having me on the show again this week. I can't wait till the next question. These are great questions coming. Please keep them coming this way. See you next week, Jim. Thank you. Good stuff as always from my man Rick, and I know he appreciates the support he receives from Blast Motion. It's a it's an integral tool that he uses on a daily basis with all of his students. Uh, it gives him so much feedback uh, with uh, with my son and everybody else. It's interesting to see uh, how instant that feedback is and how he uses it in his everyday training. It's just a great tool. So I do appreciate him. I do appreciate all of St. Louis Pirates Nation, and really excited uh, that he's continued to do this because I think it's great. I know you guys love the Ask Rick segment. I get, and I am sorry, I get so many questions every week. I got to pick one, uh, and, and they just keep rolling in. So it doesn't mean your question wasn't great. It just means I can only pick one. I'm sorry. Sometimes I try to pick one that I see a lot of stuff going on on social media. For instance, I picked that one this week because, I mean, I can't go through Facebook, Twitter without seeing a video of Josh Donaldson or Jose Bautista or Manny Ramirez or all these guys and people talking about this is the new way to do this or you should be doing this. And I'm not here to say you should or shouldn't be doing it. I just thought it was a great question. You know, yeah, that's great for a professional athlete, but should a kid be doing it because I'm seeing it more and more? thought it was great. Uh, as far as this week's shows go, I, I hope you found it interesting. If anything, uh, obviously entertaining, but I, I, I hope there was something you could have took out of it that might help you through what I believe is a very stressful time. Uh, I do want to say to all the kids out there that are listening, good luck. Uh, try not to be nervous. Uh, I understand if you are. I would encourage you that if you are feeling uneasy, if you're feeling nervous about it, talk to somebody that you feel like you can talk to about this. Fortunately or unfortunately, that may not be your father. It may not be your mother. It might be a brother. It might be a friend. It might be a coach. But do it. I, I tell my kids all the time, 
There is no dumb questions. There are also no dumb statements when it comes to how you feel. If if I had one of my former players call me and say, Coach, I know, you know, you're not our coach anymore, but um, man, I got high school baseball tryouts and I'm really freaking out. I would take that so serious. Why? Because a kid took his time to reach out to me. If I was a kid's coach and he did that, I would love it because it shows me how much he cares. So kids, quit thinking that you're bothering, whether it be your dad or your friend or your brother or your coach or your mentor, whoever that, or your, your hitting coach or your pitching coach. When a kid takes the time to communicate with you, it means a lot to us, okay? It means a lot to us. So please don't be worried about doing it. Don't feel like you're doing something wrong. And if you're that person and a kid chooses to reach out to you, take the fact that they did it very serious because I assure you it wasn't easy for them, okay? Give it what it deserves and try to be helpful rather than deconstructive. Constructive is always better than deconstructive. Hope you enjoyed the show this week. Again, couldn't do it without all my supporters. Uh, of course, the ropetrainer.com is something I encourage everybody to check out. EliteBaseball.tv is is a, a second-to-none product that I, Justin Stone and his gang do. That is, I, I just think it's, a, it's just a wonderful tool for player, coach, and parent. Of course, Rick Strickland, you know, such a great resource here with his Ask Rick segment. I know he appreciates all the support he gets from Blast Motion. And, of course, I love being a part of St. Louis Pirate Nation with my son. Uh, for everybody here at lineupmedia.fm, I encourage you, if you love podcasting, if you love the ability to choose what you want to listen to, when you want to listen to it, lineupmedia.fm has anything and everything you could possibly want when it comes to entertainment. Your entertainment time is valuable. Check, up, check out lineupmedia.fm. As I guarantee you, you'll find a show that will tickle your entertainment bone. Uh, for my producer, Brian Crock, I am Jim Cromer. This is Youth Baseball Talk. We will see you next week. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at podcastbaseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.